Wake up, ladies and gentlemen, 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after here on a Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015. Thank you all for tuning in. I am Tyler Trumbauer alongside Monday, Wednesday, Friday guy Tubby here on a Wednesday morning. Tubby, how are you? Good. This is our, uh, our final show. So you're not coming in on Thursday. That's confirmed. Yeah, I'm not going to be here. See, and, you know, that's why I'm leaving, because there's no love here. There's, there's, there's no. You know, I thought we cultivated some type of partnership, some type of relationship here. But if I see where I fall in the land of Tubby, and it's not near the top. It's close. It's not. You're in the top ten. Close is only good in horseshoes and hand grenades, not friendships. Okay. That's disappointing. Well, I had I had some personal issues. I, I have don't vehicle need. Issues, I don't. And I have need stuff to I know. need to resolve. I don't need your excuses. That's what I'm saying, and I got a litany of them, but that's okay. So, anywho, this You'll as survive. breaking news right there is our final show together between Tubby and Tyler, the duo that have brought you frustration, relaxation, entertainment, hilarity, hilarity. Oh, that's a good one. Utter nonsense. See, I was trying to go with on the, my pulse. I was trying to go with like the one word, like adjective. Oh, okay. Utter nonsense is a noun. Idiocracy. I don't know. I mean, okay. maybe you, maybe just you. From on my, For, my part, Tubby has brought you idiocracy. I have brought the idiocracy to the uh, show. T- yes, absolutely. So that is, uh, so it's a, uh, it's a sad moment. I don't have any like sad music. I mean, about the only sad thing I have is here we go, brownies. <laughs> that's not very. Yeah. I mean, that is sad, but it, it, anywho, it's comically sad. So. uh... You know, maybe I guess I could just go. This is our final show together. Right. Uh, for, but I'm sure may, there's probably some of them, some people out there that probably are happy for that. Yeah. I believe they're in the minority, but yeah. <laughs> there's got to be one or two. Right. So uh, interesting stuff to do today on this Wednesday. So as he said, last show for us today. I'll be on tomorrow with Chewy for my final show of the morning after. Josh Gleason will call in at 9.05. Uh, for tomorrow's show, and then we'll wrap things up with him and the NBA, and then Tubby will be back in on Friday, I believe, with Vic Hudson mm-hmm. on Friday to uh, do whatever they want to do on Friday for the final, the morning after of the semester, and uh, then we'll send it on home, and then it's you don't got to deal with any morning after nonsense until January or February, whenever you guys get your button gear. Um, it, it'll be January. It'll be January. That's yeah. what he says now. So... Uh, Today, though, we got a lot to get to as well. We got, I mean, we got to get your take on the Cleveland Browns on that Monday night game, number one. We got to talk about uh, the NBA a little bit. The, the, the Sixers got a win last night, folks. It happened. It happened. Tubby said it would happen. One of only, well, actually, Chewy said it would happen, and that's who we value his NBA opinion more. Right. I'm just saying. Show. I'm still saying they can get to 20 wins this year. That's absurd. This is the one of only two games the Sixers are favored in this year. Um, they won one of them. So, according to that, they would win only one more, not 19 more. But we'll see. Of course, the college football playoff rankings came out again last Mm -hmm. night, and that's always a point of contention here on the show, especially because Ohio State's not in the top four. In case you didn't see, we'll talk about that. And then, of course, Tom Risenweber will be calling in at 9.15 for his final slot this semester on the morning after, talking a plethora of varsity Athletic happenings, high school football playoffs are continuing. Of course, we didn't have them last week or the week before. 
I believe. So it's been a little while. It's been a while since we talked to him. You know, maybe it was Thursday. I think I had him on Thursday, maybe. I don't remember. Because you guys had that long I road left. trip. I left for Connecticut. I think I had him on before then. Life's flown by. And uh, we'll have him for the last time. We also got to talk. The PIAA came out with their six-class classification and said where each school ranks in that classification. Where do they fall? And uh, Tubby, or not Tubby, will ask Tom Risenweber, as will I, about that and what his thoughts are and what he thinks because now it's up to the schools to decide whether they're going to stay where they are or play up. They have the option, so if you're if they were tasked with 3A, they could potentially move to 4A or 5A and do that. So we'll have to look and see what, what Tom has to say about that. He's, of course, dialed in more than anyone here in the Northwest Pennsylvania varsity scene, so it'll be good to talk to him about that. But let's start off with something a little bit farther back, and uh, the Cleveland Browns. Uh, that Monday night loss... I stayed up and watched it. I said it on air. I said it around the studio yesterday. I sat and watched that game. And in the two minutes, and then when the Cleveland Browns are ready to set up this game-winning field goal, I said, Baltimore is going to block this and return it for a touchdown. And I was like, you know what? I should tweet this. But he's just like, I was like, you know what? Nah. So now no one's going to believe me that I predicted it. And I wouldn't believe anyone else. I believe, it I, seen, I believe it because I've seen it coming. But I should have tweeted it because then I would have been a genius. Right. But. Anywho, that's how, the, that's how the Browns lost. But I did tweet afterwards, and I never got a response. I mean, I'm not shocked because I'm not like you. I don't tweet celebrities and expect to get responses. I tweeted at ESPN Stats and Info and said, when was the last time back-to-back NFL games ended in a walk-off? Just think about that. Sunday night ended mm-hmm. in a walk-off in overtime. So did the Monday Nighter. Yep. Then I don't know if you listened to the show yesterday, Tubby, but yeah, something, I- something Chewy and I talked about was why did they have to go out and attempt an extra point after that touch? And that just kind of ruined things. The coaches, all the teams are out on the field. The coaches already shook hands. Why did, the, why did the Ravens have to go out there and attempt an extra point with no time left on the clock? I have no idea. I thought, I thought the game was over. The score, they scored. It's 33-27. There's no There's time nothing. on the clock. So we, were, we never really got an answer about this, and I was throwing it out to, to the listeners to see if anyone had an answer for us was – because I, w- I was going back to the Sunday nighter, and when the, ra- and when the, the Broncos had that walk-off rushing touchdown, they didn't attempt an extra point. That mm-hmm. was ball game. So why is it different in overtime than in regulation? Is it because overtime is that sudden death period? Or because my question is, there was no time left on the clock. So the only thing is, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of foggy about this, and I apologize, I didn't get the chance to look it up yesterday. A good radio host would have is... What can you do on an extra point attempt? So the Ravens went out there and need it. But technically, you're supposed to go out there and kick an extra point or attempt a two-point conversion. That's why you have that that extra play after you score a touchdown. So if you block an extra point attempt, can you return that for a touchdown? Or is it it on the two-point conversion if you fumble recovery, interception, can you return that? I don't think that's it. I think it's the extra point you can return for a touchdown. The extra point, the kicked kicked extra point, I believe you can. However, if if it's on a two-point try... And the ball's it's intercepted stopped. or fumbled. It's done. Play is stopped. The dead ball, right? So that's what I'm. That's what I was thinking too. Which is why the only reason you probably would have had to do that because they went and took a knee, knee, which is smart, and it was unnecessary to kick an extra point because you didn't need the point. But right. say they fumble that ball, they fumble the snap, or they do the extra point and it's blocked, and then Cleveland returns it, and then we got ourselves a tie ball game with Cleveland has me having an opportunity to get the game winning point on an extra point mm-hmm. or a two point conversion, and with no time left on the clock. 
Yep. I guess that's the only thing. But it still just kind of ruined things, you know? I mm-hmm. feel like if there's no time remaining and the extra point is not necessary, you shouldn't have to do it. But then I guess that's robbing the Browns of an opportunity of trying to tie the game up with no time remaining. Yeah, which it probably wouldn't. Right, it pro- that's, that's, wouldn't very, that's very unlikely to happen. But I just that's what I was thinking. I was just like, I don't understand. I don't even understand why Cleveland tried tried for the field goal to begin with with that particular kicker. But what else were you going to do? They let the time run down. There was that time where they should have used the I know. I would have taken – I would I would have, like, done another running play or something, tried to eat out the rest of the clock and not and give the ball. And just play back. for overtime? Yeah, exactly. If I think Cleveland's – well, the mistake was letting the time run down about that 20 seconds there. Their right. second mistake was yeah. not going for two when Mike Pettin wanted to go for two. Right. He was trying to – This is a game on Monday Night Football between five combined wins. And you're at home. Why not go for the win? Why not? You have nothing else to lose. You I are was, a bottom-feeding team. I was all for it. I was, too. I was with it. I was like, do it! And Tariq was like, why? Why is Mike Pett going for two? I'm like, because they have two He's trying wins. to win the stinking game, you jerk! They have two wins! Right! I, it's just unbelievable. I mean, this team just cannot get out of its own way. And then I heard this morning all right. on Mike and Mike... All and right. they were talking about starting Johnny Manziel next week. Right, because now breaking news on that one, not really breaking. But yesterday, Josh McCown had a collarbone injury, was out, insert Austin Davis. McCown, done for the year. Petten, mum on a starter, nothing left. Right. So you start Davis, do you start Johnny Manziel? Terrell Pryor was also signed. Was but he's back up. And he's kind of transitioned to a wide receiver, but does, does, that, does he transition back to a quarterback with that need? I think he's an emergency. Okay. I think... I think probably what's going to happen is uh, I think they're going to probably start Davis. One, Johnny will be the two, and then Pryor will be an emergency three. I agree. I, that was – I love Petten not putting Johnny Manziel in. I mean, Davis came in through one incomplete pass on that third nine on his first play. After but the, that, he looked good. He did look decent. He had a nice strike down the field to an open receiver. But, I mean, they were the, the fans are booing him like crazy because they just wanted Johnny Manziel so bad. But you know what? Manziel needs to learn. In college – he was good enough to overlook all the crap he did off the field. Right. Now he's not. Now he hasn't Mike proved Petten, anything. And yeah, and 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 now that the Petten doesn't care, Petten's not going to put up with that crap. So he's going to sit his butt on the bench, and he's going to be like, "You're going to learn, son, because you know what? You should be out here helping this team. You were a first round pick. You shouldn't have been, but you were a first round pick for the Browns. Right. That means they invested a lot in you. You should be out there trying to help us win a game on Monday Night Football because it's very few and far between when the Browns are on Monday Night Football. Right." And he wasn't. He was on the bench, like a third-string quarterback who shouldn't even been activated, just got lucky because they didn't have another guy to fill out 46 active ro- roster on game day. Yep. Even though, fun fact, the Cleveland Browns were the very first team on Monday Night Football because Art Modell was instrumental in getting that TV contract. Well, that's good. That was like 1912. I'm yeah. talking about 2015. I'm just saying, fun fact, fun <laughs> that fact. Is, that is good fun, fun fact. fact. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yay. Go, Tubby. Good work. So... You're saying Davis Manziel. So what do you do? You got five games remaining here, a third of right. the season left. Does Johnny ever make another appearance as a starter? Saying saving saying Davis gets stays healthy. Not that he's forced in there with an injury, but if Davis stays healthy, but they're not exactly winning games, do you put Johnny Manziel back in? I think it depends on Davis's play. If Davis is able to play and carry the team, and they win games because of Davis, not in spite of him, I think. Davis continues the job because they gave him not only when they signed with the team, but they also gave him a contract extension too. Right. So he's going to be there for a while. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think the future is uncertain for Johnny, whether or not they're going to keep him or they're going to try to offload him or, or what they're going to do with the kid. So 
I mean, if he plays well, Davis stays. If he, if he doesn't, I believe they go with Johnny and see what they got. I mean, the players are going to play anyway. They're going to try to play to win. Right, exactly. And, they, and, you know, there's a third of the season left, so it's good to see what you have in Austin Davis. Good guy, could potentially stay there for a little while as a backup. Who knows? We've seen some crazy things happen at the quarterback position in the National Football League. We're going to hit our first break on the show, come back with Tom Reisenweber, hopefully, of the Erie Times News, the Varsity Prime Czar. Talk about a lot of stuff. We'll get, we're going to make him earn his money today, talk about high school playoff situation, uh, talk about the 6A classification from the PIAA, his thoughts, the local coach's thoughts, and more here on a Wednesday morning, the morning after, just getting underway. Don't go anywhere. Tom Reisenweber on the other side right after this. Welcome back, 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after. Tyler Trumbauer and Tubby here with you on a Wednesday morning. Thank you all for tuning in on your dial, edinburghnow.com, and the TuneIn app on mobile devices. We appreciate that, as always. Now just uh, jump a little bit differently here. We'll still talk about some football, but at a different level. Just talked about the Cleveland Browns and such and all that Monday night debacle that it was. And uh, now we're going to get a little bit different here, go into the high school landscape with our varsity prime czar and our, uh, our constant reoccurring guest, Tom Reisenweber of the Erie Times News, who joins us now on the phone. Tom, how are you on this Wednesday morning? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you, sir. We appreciate the time this morning, shaking things up from a Friday. Seems like I'm, I'm never here on Friday, so it seems like we always have to shake that up. Um, you don't want to have my life. But anyway, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into uh, high school football from previous. We've, I, I can't remember the last time. I think I had you on right before Thanksgiving, and, uh, or right before that weekend before Thanksgiving. And uh, we talked about the games and, and the last time we checked in there. So now I have up in front of me what we're going to be looking at this weekend as we're already into, what, the quarterfinal round of the PIAA uh, football playoff bracket the state tournament and i can't believe what we're already have gotten that far so what if what uh for to for some of us that haven't maybe been staying up to date on what's been happening where are we uh who are we still able to root for here and what 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 is the uh, set, kind of set the table for northwest pennsylvanians on who's still alive when it comes to the piaa state tournament yeah, down to uh, three teams uh, in Quad A McDowell last last Saturday State College. They're finished. Um, you know, three really uh, exciting District Ten championships this past weekend uh, in Triple A. Cathedral Prep was down fourteen to seven. They lose their quarterback Joe Mishler to injury, uh, but they put it into Nas Gregory, a Wildcat quarterback. He runs for four touchdowns, gets two picks, has a school record with nine interceptions this season, and they're taking on. Whitfield champion Thomas Jefferson on a Friday, uh, who's perennially been a problem for District 10. Um, they, they knocked out Strong Vincent in the Western Final uh, several times in the late 2000s. Uh, General McLean actually beat them in the state semifinal before winning the state title in 2006. Uh, they're a pretty good pro- pro- team, pretty good program. Should be a great game Friday at the vet at 7 o'clock. Um, they, you know, Thomas Jefferson has two 1,000-yard rushers, a really big line and a pretty nasty defense. So should be a really big test for uh, Cathedral Prep. And then double-A, uh, Hickory Rally to beat Sharon in the D-10 championship, uh, 32-19. Uh, another big game for Chuck Carr, who ran for over 200 yards. He's having a great junior season. He's already over 4,000 yards, closing on 5,000 yards for his career. 
uh, and he's only a junior. So Hickory's uh, going to be taking on Martinsburg Central at District 6. Uh, should be another, another interesting game for them, but I think Hickory wins that, moves on to the Whitfield champion next week, which will be Aliquippa. And uh, you look over at single A, what a thrilling game to cap the weekend. Farrell, you know, they go up 12 nothing. They they uh, they get shut down the rest of the game. They're down 20 to 12. They drive the length of the field with three minutes to go. Tie it with 24 seconds left. They get a two point conversion on a Tim Tebow jump pass, and then go to overtime. Uh, score first. Don't get the two point conversion. They go up 26 20. Then they have a goal line stand on the on the one yard line on fourth down to beat Sharpsville 26 20. Get an upset. Uh, they're going to be taking on uh, a pretty good Kane team from District 9 who's undefeated, but they should win that game, setting up another rematch with Clareton. They've, they've got to be with Clareton probably about five or six times in the past uh, two decades. So really nice matchup there. Clareton's always beat them, but I think they want some payback. So got uh, three really interesting games this weekend. Uh, Prep and Farrell are on, on Friday. Farrell's down at, at Clarion. And on Saturday afternoon at 1 o'clock is Hickory going over to Dubois High School. Yeah, a lot of interesting uh, contests that we have upcoming here uh, for the local teams. Just three remaining. Uh, so, what do you, what have you, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, you know about those three teams. I mean, are you surprised that they've? I guess my, I got, it's got a two-part question. Are you first surprised that they've reached this far into the PIAA tournament? And secondly, uh, what are your uh, thoughts on them being realistic contenders? As now we're really getting to the cream of the crop in uh, high school football in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, down to the final eight for each class. Uh, I'm surprised Farrell beat Charlottesville. Honestly, I think Charlottesville was one of the best teams in the state in single A. Uh, having said that, I don't think anyone's stopping Clareton uh, from going back to the state championship. Every year they go to Hershey. Uh, they're so loaded every year. And uh, some of these players back from last year, including Lamont Wade, one of the best uh, recruits in the state, he's only a junior. So uh, I think Farrell can win this week against Kane. And then it ends uh, next week in the state semifinal against Clareton. Uh, in AAA prep, I think they can beat Thomas Jefferson. Uh, it's I, To me, it's a, it's a coin flip right now if they win that game or not. Uh, really, it depends on the health of Joe Mitchell or the quarterback. He may not play. And I'm not sure you can win a game just playing with a Wildcat offense. So even if they do win, I think they, they might lose next week against Bishop McDevitt at District 3 who's always good. So I think it, the road ends for uh, Farrell and Prep either this week or next week. In double A, though, Hickory, uh, I think they win this week. I think they could beat Aliquippa next week and go to Hershey, and we'll see what happens there. But I think Hickory's probably the best bet for a uh, state champion now in District 10. Right, and if if they do get to Hershey, as you said, on the other side of the bracket, watch out for West Catholic. They're playing at Northern Lehigh High School against Dunmore. Of course, that's my uh, alma mater is high school. But I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen them play West Catholic face Northern Lehigh a few years back. And, and they have, A, they have a solid football squad. I think they put up 60 on Northern Lehigh in the state playoffs. And number two, they bring the best cheerleading marching band combo and that atmosphere I don't think is anything that I've ever seen duplicated by high school football. So that would be an interesting matchup in Hershey, and I know if, if Hickory makes it out there, you'll be there. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Keep out for that uh, if you make it out there on December 19th uh, for, for that. So now one question I kind of want to ask you, and I know a couple people uh, on the eastern side of the state have had this conversation with, is, is December 19th, that's the championship days for this. That's that weekend. And that 
nationwide is pretty late when it comes to high school football championships. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, especially with our weather here in Pennsylvania, especially in the Northwest Pennsylvania, we've been pretty lucky thus far. But I mean, we, I mean, Texas is even done before we are. And in Pennsylvania, where it gets snowy and cold quick, we're still playing football outside until December 19th. Do you like that? Do you dislike that? Or are you just indifferent? Oh, it's horrible. Uh, there's no way or there's no reason to be playing uh, football a week before Christmas. And uh, that was uh, – yeah, it's kind of been a, a, a sore subject for uh, Pennsylvania football the last uh, you know, couple cycles in Seattle Way because it's always been this late. And, uh, you know, you know, there's kind of steps towards that next year. We lose a week with the expansion of six classes. So I think that'll, that'll ease a little bit of uh, the, the tension there. But, you know, you got a lot of states playing state championships this week. And you got a lot of playing next week. Uh, really, uh, you had some, some states uh, in the South were playing their state championships on Thanksgiving weekend. And with, with the problem with Pennsylvania is we start so late. I mean, you start after uh, Labor or Labor Day, it's just ridiculous. Or Labor that Labor Day weekend, and you guys start early. You guys start, you know, mid-August or something like that. So, I don't know what the uh, solution is to fix the problem totally. But we got a week back next uh, next two years because of this expansion. Uh, so hopefully we keep moving that direction. But it's just it's ridiculous playing this late. Right, it really is, and I think one thing that kind of showed that maybe PIAA isn't moving it up anytime soon is that they added they added that heat acclimatization period in the training camp uh, early on there in August. They should really just you know just taper down training camp in general, kind of trim down that acclimatization or get rid of it, and just start a week earlier. I mean, if you're, I mean, why if you're going to have them just go so light in August, you might as well just have it be a game week, so that forces them to go a little bit lighter during the week and then just get right into the games. I thought that might be a, a way you can get around it, but I guess PIAA adding that little period of training camp kind of shows that that uh, opening week's not changing anytime soon. Yeah, and, you know, it's a lot of uh, a lot of political nonsense that why they can't go earlier. Uh, I've been told that, uh, you know, the Philadelphia area, they're so dependent on these kids to work during the summertime for their tourist industry that they really can't afford them to leave too, or too early in August. But, uh, I mean, I really don't think that should take any effect at all. Uh, you, know, we, you know, we have basketball starting on Friday. You know, every football player who plays basketball should be playing a basketball game on Friday. Now you have uh, – 32 teams worth of players who can't play basketball for at least a week. I mean, you still got to get in the basketball shape after the season's over. So you have all these teams being affected by still being alive in the playoffs. And it's a shame, you know, teams like Cathedral Prep, uh, John Heidelberg is a star receiver for them. He's one of their starters on the basketball team this season. And they won't have him for at least a couple games because it's going to take a while to come back from football. So it's just uh, it's it's too much overlap, and you know, Piano Blade really needs to look at maybe shorting the season a little bit and getting uh, getting these kids off the field sooner. Right, yeah, it's a, that's an interesting topic. As you said, it's a sore subject in this state uh, with the PIAA and the like, but we'll have to see. I mean, those those players, as much as they want to maybe get to basketball already, they're, they're excited, especially Cathedral Prep, who's in that state quarterfinals this weekend in the um, 3A bracket as they'll hope to continue along into the into the semis and the state finals. So now let's jump into the uh, classifications that came out just a little uh, while back. And uh, I know you've... Uh, You've not been so much in favor, I guess is the way to put it, of the, uh, of the just switching to 6A in general. I know a lot, you said a lot of the coaches in the area were, were readily open to it, but not so much. Uh, you, you think they won't be so much anymore. So now that they're out, Tom, what are your thoughts now? Do you, do you dis, 
dislike even more? Has it changed at all more to the positive end? What are your thoughts now that you see where each school is ranking according to the PIAA? Well, I almost wanted to get a big I told you so to most of these coaches. The big outrage when they came out was Cathedral Prep is a 4A. Now, it was funny when this whole thing happened, uh, everyone thought they'd be 5A, be no one's problem, get them out of the way, you know, who cares what they, what they do. But now they're 4A, and that means they're the same class with Gerald McClain, Conneaut, Oracle Buff, teams that, you know, actually want to win a, a district kind of championship. So everyone's just upset about that. They're looking to see if they're going to play up. I really doubt they're going to. So everyone be stuck with uh, prep and 4A for two years. And uh, I, I just think that people didn't realize what it's going to do to the playoffs, what it's going to do to different things. I mean, you know, we haven't seen the PIAA bracket come out yet, uh, which is you know, probably out, I would say, at their January meeting or at least March. And we're going to see that there's going to be certain classes where District 10 only has maybe one week for playoffs. You have just two teams go. You may have just two weeks for only four teams go. Uh, so you're going to lose playoff spots. We're going to lose playoff teams. We're going to have fewer games. Uh, that's a huge revenue hit to District 10 uh, as far as keeping afloat. So uh, I think once we see the bracket come out and people realize how few playoff teams we're going to have next year, uh, I would like to re-poll everybody and say, so do you still want expansion? I think you go from overwhelming majority to maybe 50-50 or even uh, some people saying, no, we don't want it anymore. So it'll be interesting to see the reaction once those brackets come out and coaches really fully grasp what's going to happen next year. Right, and for those teams, I mean, now you're going to 6A, and like you said, people didn't think Cathedral Prep was going to be in the 4A, maybe a little bit higher, and now they're and now they're tasked, or now they're with group with people, or with schools like General McLean, who, according to enrollment from the PIAA, has almost 100 less kids, and uh, and you know Connie, who has over 100 less kids than Cathedral Prep in that enrollment uh, test or enrollment that they took from those schools but for district 10 i mean 5a has two schools 6a has one school so what you know what what is what has happened to that i mean that's kind of weird for mcdowell who's 6a one school and you're looking around your district 10 and you're like uh there's no one else here what 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 happens to them well it's interesting you know they were kind of in a situation a couple years ago when mclean wasn't playing up for 4a um no they'll basically just go into the PIAA playoffs as a sub-regional uh, so basically, they're going to go in as a District 10 representative and play, you know, District 9 or District 6 right away in that first round. So their whole uh, season is meaningless at this point. They can go 0 and 10 and be in that first round of the PIAA playoffs if they want. So it's uh, it's really just uh, disheartening for them. There's no D10 championship to play for. And you know, what's funny is is 5A. There are two teams, but the brackets that they initially proposed uh, with this expansion, there's no time for a District 5 or uh, 5A championship for District 10. So that means you either move up the District 10 championship to Week 9 and have these two teams only play eight games, or you just take one automatically without playing a District 10 championship. So uh, we could have still only four District 10 championship games next year like we have this year. And uh, I just, you know, I don't think people realize that, that was going to happen. Uh, but really, 5A and 6A are not a good situation. But we'll see if any teams want to play up. It's interesting. Uh, one team told me they were going to uh, consider playing up. They were 3A. They wanted to get away from Hickory and Sharon, who are so dominant in 3A, that they wanted to go to possibly go to 4A. But now the preps there, you can see them go to 5A possibly. So uh, a lot of decisions have to be made by these teams in the next uh, few weeks here. Now, does this with this bracket change? See, Meadville's up at 5A, but Cash is still down at 4A. Does that split up that rivalry game? I mean, that's that's huge for down here in Crawford County, that game. 
No, luckily, uh, I would think that the first priority is after. Well, that, that's the whole thing. They got to get the regions together. Uh, the regions come out in a few weeks uh, after the decision, so probably like mid January, uh, and they'll have some open dates as far as non-region games go. Uh, so I would assume that they're going to still play each other in non-region, or maybe they can keep them in the same region together and just say, you know, 5A plays 4A in a region, so who cares? But that's kind of the situation that B10's in now because you have teams that are probably going to be three classes apart that are two classes apart that want to be in the same region. Like, uh, let's just say you keep Region 6 together. You'll have Prep McDowell in the three city schools together, maybe McLean. So you have teams that are 4A, 5A, and 6A in the same region. So it's going to be kind of a mess when they come out with the uh, the leagues. But I think Connie and Meadville will probably do a pretty good job of keeping that rivalry going. That's just interesting. And I, you're right. I don't think a lot of these coaches thought about that. So, But, that you know, Tom Reisenweber thinks about all this stuff. That's why we get him <laughs> on every week. That's why he knew this wasn't going to be a good idea. And I guess the last thing we can say is congratulations to the uh, District 10 6A uh, champion for 2016 and beyond, McDowell, right? I mean, that's basically that we can just give him the trophy now. But anyway, so, Tom, we appreciate the time, as always, today throughout this past uh, few weeks in the high school football season. Just a few more weeks remaining and a few more teams from our area remaining in the PIAA bracket. We appreciate the time and the, and the expertise, the insight, the like you bring to the morning after, Tom. We appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend, and uh, hopefully you make that trip to Chocolate Town and be able to cover some uh, District 10 football out there. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. And uh, anytime you need me, let me know. All right, Tom, take care. All right, you too. That's Tom Reisenweber, Varsity Prime Czar, as we coined him from the Erie Times News, calling in with us. I told you we were going to make him work today, Tubby. We were yep. really grilling him. Yep. We were getting him, getting him uh, and his thoughts on the uh, 6A classification. That's really interesting stuff, you know. And it's, it's really different in the vast – you go from one corner of the state to the other because down where I'm from, there's like six 6A schools in the same district. Easy, yeah. So, I mean, this is weird out well, here. Well, that's even well. Even if you go south from here, you go like an hour and a half. In Pittsburgh, to, you go to WPIL, you're going to get a lot too. Right. So, I mean, it's it's because there's no one up here. Right. There's no people. Well, if if you look at it, it, there's the there's I call it the Pennsylvania T, and you really see it like when voting comes out. Not to get too far into politics, but the huge populous areas are on the east and the west and the south. And then you got this T-bar going straight up through the middle of the state and then across the top where it's like sparse. There's nothing there. Right, exactly. When I drive on 80 and I get here and back home is I go up the east side, mm-hmm. get on 80, I'm driving, I'm driving, there's, there's, there's cities, there's places. You get to Williamsport, after Williamsport, nothing. Yeah. Until you get to... Like Clearfield. All right, we'll say Clearfield's a place. We're going to hit a break because that was a long segment. We'll come back, jump into the college football playoff rankings. It's almost already 940, Tubby. Time's flying, but you know what? That was a good segment with the Varsity Prime Czar. Don't go anywhere. I'm sure a debate ensues. That was interesting. Yep. I'm going to give myself one of those. I, I should have known that song was coming up, and I should have changed it. That's okay. It's Pink Floyd. It's all good. That was six minutes. Yeah, but it's Floyd. I don't even know what it was. But it's Floyd, man. It's 2015. Get over it. All right. Anywho. Um, yeah, where were we going now? Final segment, college football playoff. Playoffs? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? So here's what it looks like today. Today. One week remaining from the final playoff rankings. Mm-hmm. This is what it looks like. Yep. One Clemson, two Alabama, 
three Oklahoma, four Iowa. So one Clemson would face four Iowa on December 31st in the Capital One Orange Bowl. And number two Alabama would face number three Oklahoma, also on the 31st, on the, in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. So apparently it's more classic than the Orange Bowl. Apparently. So that's what we got. Looking around at the other ones, we have, I don't know, I need a list. We got first two out. Michigan State at five. Michigan State at five. Ohio State at six. Ohio State at six. So those are your top six. Mm -hmm. We're looking at other ones, though. Looking at some other people, like seven. You know who seven is? Stanford. Right. I think that's where where it's going to end. I think those seven teams, one through seven, ending with Stanford, have a shot of making a playoff with one week remaining. Because they're in the Pac-12 Conference Championship game. They face number 20 USC. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame's at 8. I don't think Notre Dame has a shot because they're idle. Right. They don't have a game. Right. So they're done. They had to beat Stanford last week to have a shot. Because we saw, and they should have said this on the Iron Bowl broadcast on CBS, is if you don't have a conference championship, you need to be a clear-cut favorite and clear-cut better than the conference champion to be higher than them in the playoff rankings. Right. I don't think Notre Dame, without a conference champion, it, or is better than any conference champion. No. I don't think they're clear-cut better. No. Put it that way. Not on their strength of schedule. Right. So, they're gone. So that's why I'm saying it ends at 7. But watch out for Stanford. Do you agree? There, there's a possibility there. I, 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 could, I could see a scenario where they could get in. It's possible. Right. It, I think it's unlikely, but it's possible. So let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, three, is the only one of the top five teams to not be in a conference championship this week. And, of course, them being idle with the Big 12 still without a conference championship game. Now, they did essentially have the, the de facto Big 12 conference championship a week ago when they faced Oklahoma State. Right. And it killed Oklahoma State 58-23 in a row. Uh, yeah, right. obliterated. So I think that Oklahoma idle, I think they make the top four, even with sitting idle. Yep, I could see that. Because I think this year allowed the Big 12 to have such a clear-cut conference championship game last week without actually having one. And then with Oklahoma's performance in it, showed them good enough, going with their resume from the previous, what, nine, ten weeks, that they deserve to be one of the four teams. Right, in the I, I totally agree. I think I think Oklahoma. May, I don't know if they're going to be at three, but I know they're in the four. Right. They they make it to the four, and then you're looking at. Uh, I don't think anybody dissuades Alabama from being there. Right. Um, doesn't does correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Clemson play North Carolina in the ACC championship game, or did that already happen? No, they will face number ten. North Carolina, Saturday night. The Tar Heels, won, winners of a late 11 straight, moved up four spots to number 10. And they, they, I, some people are saying North Carolina should just get in if they beat Clemson because they're the conference champion for the ACC. I would. I disagree. I completely disagree. You're going to tell okay. me that North Carolina, so if they would win that, they would be the ACC conference champions and winners of 12 straight heading into the playoffs. But they're 10th this week. 10th. Mm-hmm. So the college football playoff committee thinks that even what they're doing right now is there's still nine teams better than them. 
So if they beat just one of those teams. The number one ranked team that's been ranked. Number one for since I think the inception of the rankings this week. No, I th- or this this year. No, because Ohio State was that number one for a while. Like for for the first two weeks, Ohio okay, State so was that number one for most. Of the weeks I think Clemson took over. Okay, but yeah. Okay, so but you have that. So you're telling me that North Carolina just by beating number one jumps them all the way to number one. I don't think if they just beat them, like if it's a close game, I don't think it matters. But you want if, a fifty-six twenty-three route? Is that what it's going to take? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, if they totally beat the snot out of them. I still don't think that's so. You're telling me, so say Stanford beats USC, okay, who really has done a nice job considering what they're doing, but I'm not giving them, you know, brownie points. Because, a whole oh, lot oh, of credit, oh, oh. right. Right, because they lost their coach, but whatever. Wham. If, if, if Stanford beats USC, and I'm saying by like two touchdowns, okay, I'm yep. going to say like 28-14. Well, Stanford's, the, at, Stanford's ranked at number seven. USC's ranked at 20th. Okay. Ranked at 20th. Okay. Stanford's supposed to win that game. Okay, but Stanford... Stanford is the Pac-12 champion. Right. They have wins over Notre Dame last week in, in, in good fashion. Right, which is a top. Which Notre, is a top. Notre Dame has been in the team. playoff rankings. Right, so they're a top 10 team. So they beat Notre Dame okay. to move up in the rankings, then win the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Why should they be jumped over by North Carolina if North Carolina beats, beats Clemson? Because all Stanford has to do is do their dang job. They're supposed to beat. Stanford is supposed to beat USC. Stanford currently sits at a, at ten and two record, right? North Carolina is at eleven and one. Okay, and probably an extreme underdog going into this game against Clemson, who is twelve and zero. If that underdog comes up and beats Clemson, an undefeated team, in my belief, that would carry more weight than Stanford just doing its dang job and beating a number twenty USC. Now, I'm looking at Stanford's schedule here, and it's, it's not pretty for them. I'm not going to lie. They, they do have a loss to Northwestern. Right. But Northwestern was a top, was a top team then. They were, they were better than they've been in previous years, but right. it's, it's Northwestern. It's Northwestern. Right. Um, so looking at, Nor- looking at North Carolina's schedule, their lone loss, South Carolina, week one. Since then, of course, rattling off 11 straight wins. But give me, give, give me someone they, they've beaten that's good. These are their wins. North Carolina A and T, mm-hmm. Illinois, Delaware, Georgia Tech only by seven points, Wake Forest, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Duke, Miami, and Virginia Tech, and last week North Carolina State. And Virginia Tech was only by three points. Okay. Stanford may have a a, a not so great loss to Northwestern, and then they, they lost 38-36 to Oregon back on November 14. Right. I mean, I think it's... But they've beat I don't think it's. I don't think it's close enough to where you could get to between these two, between North Carolina and Stanford, where you start considering style points and strength of schedule. I'm just looking at pure record alone and who they play in that final game. Like, if Stanford does its job and goes to 11-2, and two, but North Carolina... Exceeds expectations and beats Clemson. And beats Clemson. Isn't that to, wouldn't that be the greater feat? I just don't understand. Okay, so it, right, I would I understand what you're saying. But if the college football playoff committee was thinking that way, why should they not be higher? If they're that close to being in the rankings, if they're that close to being in the top four, that all they that all they're away, that the only thing that's keeping them is an ACC championship. Why are they not higher? Because 
the way they say that they make these rankings is if the playoffs started today and this needed to be our final rankings, this is what we would do. Okay. So if this is the, so if, if the playoffs started this week, Notre Dame would be closer to a playoff spot than North Carolina. So why right. should North Carolina jump all of those people, number nine, number eight, number seven, number six, number five, to get into the top four just by winning the ACC championship game? Because I think it's a bigger feat for them. I also do. I think it's a bigger feat for them to win that championship game. But still, I mean, even if you're looking at that, okay, next week starts the playoff, right? Right. Everything after place number four? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But it, sh- but it does. That's why they rank it all the way to 25. Why would they rank it all the way to 25? It doesn't matter. Why would they not just give us four? I don't know. Feel good points. I don't know. But, I mean, it doesn't matter because five, six, seven, and eight and all down the line isn't playing anymore. Right. I got that. They're done. You know, and both of those teams are outside. They're on the outside looking in. I don't know if they can jump all the way to four, but I know that, I mean, if if I, they beat if they beat Clemson, does Clemson stay in the top four? Or do they drop down to five and six? If Clemson loses the ACC championship, I think Clemson's out, As and I don't think North Carolina makes it either. We'll just have to di- agree to disagree on that because I just, I mean, we got to get right. to the other games, but it's, I just don't see how, you, then there's just no one from the ACC. Is that that heartbroken? You got no one from the ACC. It's not a powerhouse. No, it's not a power. Co- I mean, uh, to me, that's like a surprise conference this year, well, coming out of the ACC. Going to be surprised that no one's going to make it. Okay. Alabama faces Florida this week. The and Bama, the lone SEC team with a shot at winning the national title. They're normally a a juggernaut, the SEC, but not so much this mm-hmm. year. So if Bama loses to Florida, likelihood of that happening very small. Does Bama stay in the top four? A two-loss team in the top four. I don't think. Okay. I don't think. I think Bama's going to win. I don't think they have to worry about that. Yeah, I don't think so, so either. So I think they get in there. Oklahoma at three. And, of course, they're staying idle. So, so Iowa is the other team you need to look at at four. I think the Big Ten championship game is a play-in game. Whoever wins that game out of Iowa and Michigan State is the number four. Right, I agree. Goes. If Michigan State wins, of course, they're number five right now. They play Iowa. Michigan State, the winner is essentially, and like you said, it's a playing game. Iowa undefeated, but a lot of questioning about their strength of schedule. That's the team's program's first undefeated regular season in 93 years. And uh, Michigan State looked really strong. I watched a large portion of that game versus Penn State last week, and Michigan State looked real strong at home. But mind you, Penn State is weak, yeah. very weak. Yep. Fired their offensive coordinator the next day after that game. Did the right. well, Lions. I mean, they have they have problems recruit they that program. They don't have problems recruiting. Penn State, J- uh, James Franklin is one heck of a recruiter. Mind you, that he switched mm. a lot of guys. Saquon Barkley, that guy who's everyone's you know just getting a buzz about now. I covered him on multiple high school games before his senior year. Before James Franklin came into Penn State, he was committed to Rutgers. He was done. Verbal commit. He was like, I, I got it out of the way. I'm good. James Franklin comes in. James Franklin spent multiple Friday nights choppering around the Lehigh Valley to go into different high school football games. I've seen him on sidelines of football games I covered. He got Saquon Barkley to switch and go to Penn State. He's a heck of a recruiter. He just can't coach on Saturdays. Right. That's his problem. Right. Continuing on into the uh, – okay, so we're looking on that. So we're going to say a play-in game. So say Michigan State beats Iowa. Michigan State gets a playoff spot. Do they get to four and then Oklahoma stays at three? Or do you think Michigan State goes to three and Oklahoma falls back to four because they are – not playing in a conference championship game this week. Yeah, I could agree with that. It's just just because they're idle, but I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I would agree that Michigan, 
that the winner out of that game between Iowa and Michigan State would take the three and Oklahoma would drop the four. All right, so Ohio State's the six real quickly. We just got a couple minutes here remaining. So six is Iowa, seven Stanford. We think Stanford, I still think Stanford had a shot. You said it's a possibility. For Ohio State, what needs to happen for them? Do they really have a shot? I mean, a lot they looked has, good last week. Right, they did in the game. But, I mean, a lot of stuff has to happen. Like, probably Clemson has to lose. Alabama. Clemson would have to – I would say Clemson would have to lose. I mean, maybe Alabama too. I don't know. I mean, I would say, I would say Clemson has to lose and Michigan State has to lose. So you would think – so you think you need North Carolina to upset. Mm-hmm. And then you need – and you need Iowa, Iowa to win. Iowa to beat so you're, Michigan State. So you just told me, though, that North Carolina would get in if Clemson won. It, yeah, it, they make a strong case. Well, how is North Carolina and Ohio State getting in if Clemson loses? Say Iowa and Clemson lose. If how, Iowa and Clemson lose. How does Ohio State get in before Michigan State, who would beat Iowa, and then uh, Michigan State beat Iowa, Ohio State, correct? Am I wrong? No. Wait. Michigan State beat Ohio State. Michigan, I know I'm confusing Mich- you with yeah, a lot of teams here. Yeah, Michigan State beat Ohio State. So, you're telling me if Michigan State beats Iowa and North Carolina beats Clemson, Ohio State gets in before North Carolina no, and Michigan no. State. Well, then how does Ohio State get in? No, if Iowa beats Michigan State in the Big Ten and Iowa goes, okay, right, and North Carolina beats Clemson, then, then there's Ohio a chance- State should get in. And then your top four would be, in no particular order, Michigan State, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. No, Michigan State is out because oh, Iowa. Iowa, Iowa, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. Right. Okay. So then North Carolina doesn't have a shot to make the top four. I'm just taking no. exactly what you're saying. No, Tommy. no, I mean, I know, I know what you're saying. Unless Michigan, I think if Michigan beats Iowa like they're supposed to, if Michigan State beats Iowa and North Carolina upsets, then maybe Oklahoma gets dropped out if all that happens. You're talking yourself in circles here. I know, I know, I, I I'm am. I'm just playing devil's advocate, and you're. I'm, I'm with talk, you. You're. I'm just trying. I'm to just not getting that good at the snail game as you are. I mean, you and Fenner go through these scenarios, and it actually makes sense. Me, I'm just flailing here trying. I got it, and it's kind of fun to okay. listen to. So, give me real quick your top four. Looking at the things we got about, we're out of time. But give me your your top four real quick, Tubby. Top four going into next week. Your top four when we start the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I gotta go, Clemson. Alabama, Oklahoma, Michigan State. Oklahoma, Michigan State. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go the same. I think, I, and you're gonna say that's one, two, three, four the way you said it in yeah. that order. Okay, I'm gonna agree. Uh, I think Oklahoma stays. Actually, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna go one, two, Clemson, Alabama, but I'm gonna say Michigan State three, Oklahoma falls to four, just because they're not, they're idle, because they're no conference champion, I can, I can and agree I, with I'm that. not gonna put them up and above an actual conference champion, Michigan State, and I think they're playing strong. If you're right, uh, I mean, that's the way it's going to be. So that's all for us today, Tubby. We ran out of time. Tom Reisenweber, good stuff with him as we're now over the 10 o'clock hour here on a Wednesday morning. Thank you all for tuning in. 88.9, edinburghnow.com, the tune-in app on mobile devices. Check the podcast out on edinburghnow.com later. If you missed any of this nonsense or want to listen to it again, Tubby, appreciate the time as always, sir. It's been a ride. It's been fun, my friend. It's been fun. It's been real. It's been fun, but it has been real fun. That's what I like to say. So that's good stuff with him, and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully be in touch as it goes along. But the morning after does not end for me. 
It ends tomorrow with the athlete formerly known as Chewy Athlete Extraordinaire will be in on tomorrow to talk NBA. The Sixers get the win. We'll talk National Football League with another week of professional football about to get started. The like as well. Josh Gleason going to call in at 9.05 for more major college football talk. We'll get his playoff rankings, his Heisman watch, the like as he calls in for the last time this semester. And don't forget, Tubby's back on Friday to wrap out the semester with Vic Hudson, as those two will talk about Cleveland and probably more Cleveland. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a great day.